Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. Isn't it a blessing we can worship on earth? I look at worship in heaven and, you know, it's quite impressive. It must have been impressive to John too, by the way. He could hardly describe it. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm just thankful for the privilege we have to worship him. And the Lord has drawn my mind to a message that was, is very parallel <clears throat> to our Sunday school lesson. Kind of like that when things dovetail like that. It don't have to be always something radically different. It don't have to be something always in line, too. And yet, uh, I am glad that we live in a day and age we can read the Word, and it blesses us, and it speaks to us, and it helps us uh, to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus, and we can look forward to his return subsequently. So I'd like us to look now this morning at Matthew 25. <clears throat> now, if you read the CLP's reading this week about Thursday, I forget what day it was, you read Matthew 25. <laughs> And that was interesting because my already the Lord was leading my uh, mind to that direction for a source of encouragement for us as a, uh, Christians here in the latter days. Where it says, I'll start at verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all these virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. And And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. I think probably in your Sunday school class they spoke a little bit of marriages back then. And as I studied this, it it was radically different than the marriage I was involved in. (laughs) That this, you know, these marriages, uh, they were betrothed. You probably said that. And, and, and most of the time, uh, the, the, who you was marrying, who the groom was marrying, was handpicked by the parents. And I'm sure I was glad the, the parents and the marriages I was involved in blessed the marriage, but I was also kind of glad they didn't pick who I was marrying. But uh, anyhow, that's the way it was back there in the Old Testament days. We've come a little way from that. We've come a long way as far as the way we do our marriages, by the way. And, of course, you know, the groom got ready. He told the bride to be ready, get ready, and stay ready, okay? Sort of. I'm not sure he said all that, but it was all implied. Because he had to go home and get himself a house and get financially somewhat stabilized and ready. And then he would go, and she wouldn't know what day. I mean, she wouldn't know the time. They said sometimes they would know the day, but they would never sit there and say, like, at 10 in the morning, they'd never know the time. 
uh, in general, I can't say it never was isolated uh, cases different than this, but in general, they didn't know the time. Well, that was the setting of this parable. And it said there, uh, here it said there was ten virgins, and, uh, and they needed to get ready for this ceremony, for this wedding feast. And, uh, and you know, that uh, ten virgins, uh, now I read a good many commentaries, and commentaries are just uh, words of man, because some of them said that no doubt represented the church. Some said it shouldn't represent the church. I think virgins represent well the church, okay? Because uh, the scripture says about, uh, explains that Ephesians 5 says, uh, speaks to that issue. Ephesians 5, where it says in verse 25 to, 20, 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, and it shall be holy and without blemish. Here you know that, the, that God, Jesus, is going to come back for his bride. And he's going to sanctify and cleanse them. Well, to be a Christian, you need to be sanctified and cleansed. We have a privilege to be that way when we come to Jesus, that we, we, are, we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and these are, they're, they're going to be spotless and holy, and that's the way the virgins were. They were to be that way. When it said very plainly that, uh, you know, then these, as a bride, look for us for the bridegroom, we anticipate him coming, and so it is represented as a chaste virgin. It says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, very plainly, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. It's not twisting scripture to say that the church is representative as chaste virgin to Christ. It's very plainly says that. And so this group of people is going to be pure and holy. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to love Jesus, and they're, they're going to, uh, they're going to have given their allegiance to Jesus because uh, they are looking forward to this marriage in union with Jesus. They anticipate that. In fact, somebody said in our class, that's front and central. Remember that word, Ben? Front and central. And so they are living in such a way that that that. Well, you remember a week before you got married, or a month, and even you that was infatuated with your partner, maybe even months before you got married, it, it was just there in your mind. It wasn't like a cloud in the distance. It was a cloud hovering over, okay? And uh, so it relates, you know, I think it relates a lot to Christianity. It relates a lot to truly being sold out for Jesus. You know, we, we look forward, we anticipate his coming back. And it, it is front and central in all of life. There was five there. Five were wise and five were foolish. <clears throat> and uh, here it refers only in the, uh, to the conduct in regard of all. Uh, they were wise if they had all. The others were neglecting it. Uh, in other words, the wise referred, wisdom referred to those being prepared for Jesus' coming. In other words, 
they had a, a driving desire to follow, to learn of Jesus, follow him, and, and be faithful to him in all things. They, they, they loved him. They were possessed with allegiance to him. And they were prepared. They were anticipating this. And they looked forward to it with peace and a calmness in their hearts. The others were a good bit different. And uh, so five were wise and five were foolish. There was no middle ground. There was no middle ground. And it behooves me because, you know, uh, I want to be wise. I don't sure don't want to be foolish, but, the, but it speaks to me, am I being wise? Now, these lamps are probably not like, I know they wasn't like lamps that you have, we have in our houses today, okay, where you just light them up, turn the wick on up, you know, and it's, everything works real good. And, you know, a lot of times we think of Old Testament lamps, these uh, kind of this bowl with this little spout or whatever, and then a wick sticking out of that. They said, actually, there's a fair chance that these things were radically different than you and I think about the easy could have been a stick, like a broom handle, with rag on the end tied around, and you put oil in the rag, you light them up, whoosh, and it really burned. I mean, it, it shone. I mean, it was impressive. didn't last that long. Five minutes, maybe if you had good oil, maybe 15 minutes, and they needed more oil. Dump more oil, whoosh, and goes up, and it lights up the place. I mean, you know, this is good for a wedding ceremony. You know, it, it lights up the place in the nighttime. You know, they didn't turn on the electric switch. You know, this was their light. These weren't some little lick, flickering thing. If you wasn't a 10 foot, you could see, you could see this lamp, okay? And so uh, that, uh, that was sort of graphic. That put a different twist on what I was normally thinking of, actually, these lamps. So, in other words, if you didn't have oil, you know, your lamps, okay, they light them, and they light up, and they go down. If you didn't have more oil, guess what? They just went out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a whole lot of interpretations on this. Some people say uh, they owe us grace. And others say it's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We as Christians, we need the grace of God. We do. And we live in the grace of God. And that's his enabling power to overcome and to live in victory and the evidences of that in your life. That's grace. Christians need and have the grace of God in their lives. They live that way. They also, part of that, a Christian, faithful Christian walking is the Holy Spirit working within us. You know, that's how we come to Jesus Christ, because he convicts us of sin. And then we respond to that conviction, and then and we get forgiveness of sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he continues to work in our life and heart. He comforts us, he directs us, he convicts us again when we sin. It doesn't stop just there. And he's the strengthener. And also, if you read your scripture, that he actually helps us understand the scripture, which is huge. You know, and that's what's so, uh, uh, and it's such a blessing to have the Holy Spirit in our life. And so, you know, these are very, very important. In fact, the scripture talks, the Bible talks about the unction, having the unction. That's the power of the Holy One. And it says in 1 John 2.20, it says, But we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. 
Now, I, I wonder about that when we read Revelation. <laughs> we just, I think we know what we need to know, okay? I'll go there. We know what we need to know to live holy lives and to be ready. So we know that we, uh, we, we want to. We've experienced loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We know that. And, and we know that loving him is critically important. But love, when we read his word, must always translate into obedience to his word. We need to be those that love to read his word and obey his word. So there's two other points I think that has something to do with the old. That you could go down different paths, but I don't question it takes the, the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. But I also believe, I, I firmly believe, and the more I read, you come out in different uh, commentaries, so I'm going to just lump them together and, and put them as very important, okay? For, for me and us as Christian people, we must love Jesus in such a way that we follow him faithfully and we'll do whatever we need to for him, and we're glad to speak of him, but it is based on a relationship at the cross of Calvary, and it's based on a love that once helps us to love the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. You see it in Revelation, in the very end of anything that we see at the end of the book, Jesus is the word of God. And so we have the privilege to have all in on our lamps by reading the word of God. Well, you know, if we're going to be ready, we must be constantly reading the Word of God. Front central, okay? That's how we show love. You know, uh, in other words, that's his communication to us. You know what? You know as well as me, when you, when you have a bride and you're in a marriage relationship, if you don't talk and you're not listening, and, and somebody isn't listening and somebody isn't talking, that relationship is getting cool, Right? Correct? Yeah. But, you know, so we talk. He is, that is him talking to us. Uh, and he wants us to do what, what a privilege we have. No wonder the blessings of it. You know, we, we, get, we have this. And we have this privilege. And wonder says in Psalms 119.105, the word is a lamp unto my feet, a light into our pathway. If ever we needed light for the next step, it's today. And it's always been that way. It's, it's never really changed. It's always been that way. But in the world we live in, especially now, yes. And no wonder the psalmist said in Psalms 119, 34, and 35, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. I shall observe it with all my heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. You know, we read these things, we say, how a wonderful heart. Well, praise God, we can have a heart. If we love God, we delight in his word, and we read it as, as knowing that it's a God, a sovereign God that made you, and he knows your problems, he knows the difficulties you face, and he knows what it takes to have victory over them. He'll give you a way up, and a way out. And what a tremendous blessing we have to have the word of God in our hands. So our love is shown directly on how much we read the Word of God, how much we're willing to let Him speak into our lives. And then we're willing to obey. See, um, it's, sometimes uh, little things keep us from it, but, but our desire and affections always show. It, does, it did it before you was married, and it shows after you're married. 
It shows many years after you're married. And you know, it shows when you become a Christian and you accepted Jesus and you want to do anything for him, you'd sacrifice anything for him. Remember those days? And see, that's maintained. You say, Lord, you know, I don't know all your will. This is his will. His word is his will revealed to mankind. And we don't always know his will in circumstances. And until so you read it and you get a sense of direction, you get a, a feeling of this empowerment and a direction from him that you can get nowhere else. No wonder it says in Psalm 119, 133, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. What a blessing we can be those kind of people that, that love his word so we know what he likes. We know what he expects. He gives us a sense of direction. It's part of a relationship. And it's so critical. I read a story not too long ago, and it was about a man that went to Jamaica. And, uh, and he was there on a trip, and he, rode, he had to do some uh, looking around there in Jamaica, and the man was a church leader, and he had, he told him a story that happened in his church. <clears throat> They're very poor. The man, there was a man in the church that was very poor. So poor that his prized possession was a pig. And in fact, it, that's about the only thing he owned was a pig. And that represented everything to him because this sow, he was looking forward to this sow having a litter, of, uh, and he was going to then sell the litter, and that was going to be future income. And that's, that's how he was hoping to be able to, to live. And, and so he was, he, this pig was very valuable to him. This pig got sick. He didn't have money to go to the veterinarian. He didn't have enough money. So he went to church the next Sunday and said, <clears throat> Uh, to the congregation, look, I've got a dilemma. My future income is in this pig, and it's sick, and I don't even have money. And it's very sick. And um, I'll tell you, if you pray, you, let's all pray this pig will live and get better. And if it does, I'm going to give one of those piglets, those baby pigs, back to the Lord. When, it, when I raise it up, I'll give it to the church. And the church can sell it or do whatever it wants. I'm going to give it back to the Lord if it does. And now this is true, and I'm not making this up. And amazingly enough, several days later, the pig got healthy, amazingly enough. So uh, as it goes on, uh, after a little while later, this pig was expecting his piglets, and so he was going out every morning and said, yeah, boy, he just couldn't hardly wait for these pigs, the big piglets to be born. And uh, he'd go out with great anticipation. And finally one morning, there's a whole bunch of piglets there. They're just happy and nursing and happy and oh he was so thankful so glad and he looked around here over in one corner of the pig pen there what was a little pig a little runt a little just a little pig there laying still it was dead it must have been stillborn and he thought a few minutes then he called his wife he called his wife said hey come uh, something terrible's happened she said what the the mama pig die? And uh, he said, no, no, it's worse than that, worse than that. So what happened? You can't imagine, but look over there. The Lord's pig died. 
And you need to think how sad, how sad. He was claiming the whole letter, and the one that was born dead was the pigs. This man that was riding with the preacher got home thought that was really that's really strange. I, man, I hope I'd never do that. It wasn't too many months later that he was home. And in his home, they had family worship in the evening. They had a significant family, 20 to 30 minutes. And they would read the Bible, discuss the Bible. They had a real time of worship. They'd pray together. It was significant. It was meaningful. It was important. And um, one evening, him and his children were there playing, uh, putting a, a puzzle together. And it was a big puzzle, a little bit harder than some. And it took them a good while to get it together. And finally they got it together. He looked at the clock. It was past bedtime. Past bedtime. What are we going to do? I tell you what. Let's get around and we'll have a short prayer and we'll all go to bed. And that's what they did. And the man went to bed too. And you know what? Before he went to sleep, the Holy Spirit was speaking to him and said, You know what? The Lord's pig died tonight. Yeah, he put other things ahead of his time with the Lord. He started thinking, you know what? I've been doing this more than I recognize. You know, my personal emotions, I get busy. Didn't have time for them. The Lord's pig died. You know, social life comes in, and we need to do that. Really? The Lord's pig died again. How pathetic. How pathetic. He said, you know what he decided? He said, from here on out, my pig's going to die. I'm going to change things. God would look down and say, why aren't you giving me what you said? He said, my pig's going to die from here on out. A wise man. A wise man. You know how many times in my life has the Lord's pig died? It makes me wonder. We can do better. We can do better. I'm going to tell you, friends, it takes a strong commitment to God. It takes an allegiance that says Jesus is front and central. He's everything. I'm going to glorify him, and I'm going to put the second-rate things of this earth back down, get him in right perspective, then our pig dies. And you know what? There isn't much value in our pig because our sacrifices to the Lord shows our allegiance. That's what he wants. No wonder he says in James 4, 7 and 8, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I am praise God that with his help we follow him. He helps us overcome the wiles of the devil. And, but he does that through, through the word, by the bathing in the word, soaking up his will Uh, learning of his holiness, learning to say no to the things of this earth, to the things of the flesh, to say no, and to be willing to sacrifice for Jesus. What a blessing. Another all part of the all that I think is very critical, and that is prayer, prayer life. Uh, You know, he wants to talk to us 
But you know, good communication, good relationships always are two ways. And this is one that speaks to me. I love reading the Bible. I think we'd say that. I mean, it's such a meaningful time to sit there and bathe in the Word. But how much time do we spend praying uh, and letting God know how much we need Him, that, how much we love Him, how much we appreciate the opportunity to, to live for Him? To live out holiness in our lives today. What a blessed opportunity we have. We ought to praise his name. Say, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, to Jesus. Thank him for his goodness. And, and then we have so many battles. We don't just have one big. We have so many battles. And we have so many opportunities. And we, it takes the the leading of the Lord to be able to win these battles and to use our opportunities the way he wants us to use them. We have so many uh, battles even with temptational attitudes and things of that uh, life of that kind. You know, I think we need to be like Paul where he says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, where it says there 1 to 3, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is in you. In other words, I want the Lord to work in my heart and work so wonderfully that it glorify, my life glorifies God like it does in your life. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and, un, and wicked men. For all men have not, for all men have no faith. That the, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and keep you from evil. The Lord is faithful, and He will be faithful if we're faithful to Him. And you know, it takes that relationship of working with Him, of soaking up His Word and obeying it, wanting to do it, and, and related to everyday life. And he wants to establish us, make us stable in this, in this world that we live in. And you know, he does that when we keep away from evil. You know, life is full of a lot of little decisions, in quotes. But they're very indicative of the way we're traveling. I was just challenged recently when I heard some... Somebody say, you know, to a younger people, you know, you're going to make a lot of decisions in the near future. We all do. Anybody to the age of accountability makes a lot of decisions in their future. And if you always, by God's grace, turn to the right. You know what that means? Say, Lord... This might be tough, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to veer toward holiness. I'm, I'm going to stay there. I, I want to be holy. I, I'm going to, I am not going to feed the flesh. I am not going to veer to the left. You know what? That will make a ton of difference in where you end up 20 years later. It will make a world of difference. Now, that sounds easy, but it's not that easy because be, growing in grace and growing like Jesus is never easy. Because you have an enemy. It is easy to do what's wrong. It is easy to make decisions to feed my flesh. It is easy to do what I want to do tomorrow evening. 
and uh, meaning something that is that is not what Jesus wants. Okay, it is easy to do the, to feed our carnal flesh, but you know we need to be those that are that are praying to God. God, help me have right priorities. Help me to live to, uh, daily, continually. To your name's honor and glory. Help me to worship you tomorrow like I'm doing it today. You know, we're here. We're feasting on the word of God. Praise God, we can feast on the word of God tomorrow. Now, we don't get to sit down and get quite an extended time like this, but the Lord is there. He wants to speak to us, and, we, and we're possessed with following him faithfully. That's what he wants. Yes. Now, one of the psalmists said in Psalms 5, 1 to 3, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. You know, the psalmist said in another place, may it be acceptable in your sight. You know, and I just love the opportunity to read his word and to pray and set a tone for the day, all day. You know, I know people have their daily devotions at different times, but I praise God if you can have them in the morning. And it sets the tone, you're meditating on him day and night, as the psalmist said. What a privilege we have. He said in verse 2, hearkening to the voice of my cry, my king, my God, and to thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I jack my prayer unto thee and will look up. Someone, when we love someone, we consider talking to them a privilege. Yes, it's a, it's a privilege to talk to Jesus. It, you, we, if we have a good friend, one that we know, that we love, it's a privilege to talk to them. You know, we need his help. We need his direction. We need his strength. And uh, we need him to carry our burdens. You know, we get stressed out sometimes. And Jesus loves to carry that burden. He just loves to carry that burden. Yeah. We can be those. And I tell you, friends, a person that is in communion with God and reading his word and loves him. And they, they, they just love speaking to the Lord. They pray their communion meditations. They and I tell you, their lamps are burning bright. You don't need to ask. Do you run out of all? No. They, these ones, you know, they're speaking of the Lord. They don't just, you know, just kind of like awkwardly fit it in. It is natural for them to speak the word in season. You can see that. Their light is shining bright. Let me tell you, you put that on them. Whoosh, it shines out. They don't, put a, they don't put a vessel over that. It's shining bright. Praise God, in America, we can do that and not even worry about being suffering for it. What a privilege we have. Does everybody, the people we around, do they know that? See, this is a healthy, this is a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Uh, these things are important for being prepared, staying. It's one thing to Get started. It's another thing to stay prepared. A person that is living this type of lifestyle will never hear the words, I know you not. And verse 12b says, I know you not. And there, you know, there are times, you know, you did the many wonderful works. He says, I never knew you. 
This person that has a daily, you know, I wonder, could that happen to me? Yes, it could. Only if I dwindle and dwine on my relationship with Jesus. That is first and foremost. And if we're have a, having a communion with God and relating to him and following him and obeying him, let me tell you, you'll never, you never have to worry about hearing those words. I know you not. Because that would be very, very chilling to hear that. Well, we read in verse 5 that the bridegroom tarried. The, bride, the, the bridegroom tarried. And, and um, he's still tarrying today. The bridegroom tarried. That's, that's the way it uh, uh, was back then because they, they was waiting for him. They didn't know when he would come. And it says there, and maybe he's tarrying for somebody to get the relationship back with where it should be. Maybe he's tearing for that. Maybe he's tearing that the loss, some other loss could be saved. Maybe so. And it said they all slumbered and slept. They were waiting, and sleepiness fell on them. <clears throat> now they said, as I read, that that wasn't too unusual because if you, if when the bridegroom uh, come at nighttime, you were, up, you were up for the ceremony all night, okay? You had to be ready, you know, so they, they slept. But also, it, it shows, you know, a coolness, you know. But all of them slumbered and slept. So the ones, the main thing was the ones, not that you can't sleep, but spiritually you can't sleep, okay? They can't sleep. And um, so it's very important that we don't slumber or sleep spiritually, that's the main thing. Because it says in Luke 12, 40, said, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at the hour when you think not. And that's true. You know, we wish he would come this morning or when we're in church, wouldn't we? That'd be wonderful. But what about when he comes, what if he comes Tuesday, mid morning, and you just, the Lord's pig just died that morning, and you didn't care? See, he, he wants us to think on these things because he wants every one of us ready because, you know what, this is critically important. He comes on time you think not. And you know what, there's going to be a wake-up call and everybody receive it and he didn't get any warning. They didn't get any warning. There's a wake-up call. Uh, I'd like to read a verse, uh, Ephesians 5.14 talks a little bit about this. 5.14 where it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You know what? Christ is our light. He's the one that makes life worth living. He's the one that's worth talking about. He's the one that makes uh, purpose. He's what gives us a future. Without him, you know, we don't have anything to look forward to. Really? Yes. Yes. Christ shall give you life. Awake thou and sleeping. What a beautiful thought. We don't have to think. Uh, we don't have to sleep spiritually. We can be awake spiritually. Yes. But I'm telling you, there's going to be some that aren't ready. And it's going to be a shocking experience. It's going to be a shocking experience. They're going to, they're not ready. 
Hebrews 4, verse 7b and 3, 7 and 3, 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. What a beautiful invitation. And also, uh, those that are not vigilant and are not walking with the Lord, they're in for a big surprise. And it's one that's going to affect their eternal abode. This is the kingdom of God. They, they're, they're not going to enter in. This is going to make a difference in eternity. Uh, we, we, we thank God we have to live in the day of opportunity to, to be ready and to stay ready. And that's what he's saying here. So we need to be following the Spirit, living in his grace, and, and, and care about what he's saying. No wonder it says in 2 Peter 3.14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, look for his appearing, be diligent. Be diligent. Now, a conference sermon say, be, what was that word? Intent. That doesn't sound quite right, does it, brother? Do you remember the word? Uh, that means be with it. <laughs> I forget what it was. Oh, I meant to have that. Uh, that ye be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. There Laps were going out. That means they had fuel. They had oil and they went out. They had backslidden. They had compromised. And they didn't care enough about it to, to, to get ready. And it's very obvious that my, our re, salvation, our staying ready is dependent on you personally. You cannot borrow from your parents. You cannot borrow from your preacher. You can't borrow from your grandparents. You can't borrow from your church. You've got to get it yourself. And it's very true. I thank God. It's a personal relationship. We can each have a personal relationship with God. They, the ones that are ready, they weren't willing to let their, their oil that, the, that made them radiate for Jesus go out. They weren't willing to do that. And yet it's so easy to let... The, the, the things of this world, the cares of this life, and the desires of the flesh, and bad stewardship of time, lessen our spiritual appetite. And that's called compromise and lukewarmness. You know, we can stay fervent for the Lord. Be intentional. It just hit me. Be intentional, right, Brother Paul? In other words, get up and wake up and be intentional. I'm a child of God's. I'm committed to him. And I tell you, that's my intentions for today. You might do a little farming, bookstoring, uh, work CLP. You might drive a truck. You might fix a truck, whatever. Be intentional today. I'm serving the Lord. Amen. Yes. That's a person that's ready. A person that's ready. They're, they're reading. And the door was shut. The door was shut. Yes, there'll come a day for each one of us here, the door's going to be shut. And let me tell you, if a person hasn't kept their oil burning, they haven't kept the relationship vibrant with the Lord, whether they had it or not, if they didn't ever have it, the door's going to be shut. It's going to be a sad day for them. And you know what? They thought it didn't make that much difference. They started waning on the relationship with Jesus. 
they didn't think it was a big deal. They'd go back to their paths. You know, they've had a roller coaster Christian life all their life anyhow. And Jesus never intends that to be your life or mine. These people weren't living intentional. And he comes and the door shut. In other words, he's saying, ready or not, here I come. And I know if I've heard that play a game when I was a little child, and it was just a game. Because if I wasn't ready, I just got hit. But let me tell you, when Jesus says, ready or not, here I come, it's going to be your eternal abode. It can't get more serious than that. He's going to say, he wants to tell us this morning, ready or not, here I come. And there's no time for slumbering spiritually here. You know, you're never going to get time to prepare. You may have been torching it two weeks ago. You may have been torching it. And you know what? You decided it wasn't that big a deal. In fact, I needed to get this project done. You know, I've had projects that need to get done. We all kind of feel the urgency of earthly things sometimes, don't we? Yeah. I praise the Lord. He says very plainly in Isaiah 55, 6, and 7. Seek the Lord while he may, be fi- he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. For we have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. No wonder he says, watch. Stay watching. Stay ready. And many times I look at numerous verses. It says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Or you almost sit there like, okay, I like to, you know, I look for things and I'm going down there and I see a bald eagle and I'm watching. But I'm not praying for that bald eagle and it don't mean that much or it's a pretty bird. You know, but he said, look, if you're going to be watching like you should, it brings a mentality in your heart of praying to God. God, help me to stay ready. God, help me to be victorious. Stay with me. I need your presence. Yes, I love to follow you, then you'll never hear those words, I don't know you. You can hear, come in, my good and faithful servant. And you know, it makes all the difference your life. Let's just bow our heads for prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for these wonderful passages of Scripture to speak to our hearts. Lord, we're so thankful that your word is forever. It's forever settled in heaven and there's no way it's going to cease. And I thank you we have that privilege of knowing you as our Savior and following you. Lord, we do acknowledge we live in a world that bombards us. And we live in a spiritual realm where the Satan is constantly tempting us to put other things first. Lord, I thank you. We live in a land that allows us to worship you in peace. We can read your word. We can be fed. We can speak to you. You're there all the time. Lord, thank you for this congregation here. And Lord, we want you to speak to our hearts. We want to be faithful. We want to be those that are the wise ones that are ready when you come. Oh, God, may we make the heart commitments, the radical changes, whatever it is, to get ready and to be ready when you come. 
Jesus' name, pray. Amen.